This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. If you speak to someone who studies numerology, they will tell you that there is an uncanny relationship between numbers and words. They'll tell you that letters and words all have numerical value and weight that is implicit of a deeper meaning, connecting other words of similar weight. In fact, this concept has been given merit and studied in relation to biblical texts for hundreds of years. Kabbalist Jewish scholars call this study gematria, and believe that there is a hidden code in the Torah that contains clues to current and future events. The concept of gematria numerology stems from the idea that mathematics is the universal language of nature, and within it may be the keys to explaining our universe or evidence of a supernatural power. From marketing.gaia.com In this episode, Sonia Novik talks about gematria and discusses unity consciousness and how we have entered into a portal of all possibilities that can be manifested into matter depending on your state of awareness. Sonia Novik is a lifestyle coach, energetic quantum healer, medical intuitive, spiritual guidance, certified remote viewer, and intuitive healing. She also teaches extrasensory self-development to those that want to hone their intuitive skills as well. Sonia is an intuitive and energetic healer who can read into your life map and see into corners you were either unaware of or need more clarity on. She works in the quantum field on assisting people in healing at all levels, across all dimensions, and all timelines, from the soul-spirit level to their mental and emotional bodies, right down to the physical and elemental body. Here is the interview with Sonia Novik. In your own words, who is Sonia Novik? That's a, a deep question. I was born with gifts, uh, intuitive gifts. I was born, if you like, awake, which some people are saying now that they're waking up, I was born this way. And since very early on, I had these very powerful um, abilities, I would have to say, that are supernatural, like being able to do, move objects with my mind, being able to see through walls and see what people are doing, uh, listening to people's conversations, like remote viewing, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was born with these, basically with this skill set. And 
that's part of who Sonia is. The other part is just like everybody else, we come here to duality and we come to a place to learn to come back into unity consciousness. And so at this point in my life, I would have to say that I'm in the process of going back into unity consciousness. And it's not the easiest thing to do because when we're born into duality, and that's what this whole presentation is about, we tend to be, we end up being separated from the divine. And when we separate ourselves from the divine to have this uh, experience in matter, a lot of things happen. Uh, we get programmed in negatively in very different various ways and we get um what they call fractured you know like emotionally fractured and and physically fractured and that's where the disease comes from um that's where it, mental disease emotional physical disease and so it's learning to regain back and coming back to wholeness and that is the journey i believe of us being a fractal, not fractured, okay, of the divine coming back from divinity and the oneness, if you like, in the quantum field, coming back into a state of separation and learning about separation and going back to oneness. So in a nutshell, that's what I would say, what this being is that's called Sonia Novik here on planet Earth. That's wonderful. You made me think about different questions to ask. Because I have some questions here, but now uh, with your introduction, I'm wondering what is to be awake for those who don't have those uh, abilities, paranormal abilities. So what would that be like? Well, we all have paranormal abilities. You're just not aware. You have a gut feeling about people. You have a gut feeling about things happening in your life that stop you from moving forward. Um, so we all have these inner senses. They're part of who we are. Just like you have your sense of, it's like asking me, you know, if you're blind and you've always been blind, you still have your eyes. You just can't see, right? And it's the same thing on the inside as well as the outside. So if you can't hear on the inside, you're deaf on the inside. Um, if you can't sense, you know, or have a feeling on the inside, which most people do, most people are empathetic, except for a very few very small percentage of, of the planet, which are uh, what I would call the sociopathic, psychopathic ones that have, you know, deleted their emotions because they're in so much pain and agony from separation is really what it is. So, so we all have these inner senses and that's why I teach extrasensory perception because that's what that is, is that those inner senses are not activated and that's all that is. And they either got blocked when you were a child or there was trauma that caused it, um, but we all have them. It's not like I'm unique to them. Um, coming into a human body, we have them. They're part of our, our genetic and physical makeup. Wow. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Now it's just the question is to how open we are to these abilities, right? To explore them without fear. You also mentioned the divine. What is the divine? Some people call it creator, some people call it God, some people call it uh, source, universal source. It has many different names. And to me, the divine is the energy that was set into motion that comes from a place of total love to create, to create for the joy of creating and to express that creation into like matter, like here, 
in, in other forms, in other dimensions, because um, there are many dimensions, planetarily and otherwise, galactically, universally, there's this very big gambit, if you like, of this question that, but what it is to me is if, if we're going to simplify it and put it into a finite term, I would have to say that what it is, it's the act of creation, of creating different experiences into existence or different uh, beings into existence and allowing those beings to have free will to actually have that expression of creation within themselves. That's what to me, creation is, is that it's the power or the energy in the quantum that creates everything, everything, everywhere. Right. So in this case, in a way, there's nothing good or bad. Everything's part of life. Yeah, that's right. And, and you've got to understand this here in matter, in order for matter to exist, there has to be a negative and a positive pole. So there's duality, right? And there's extreme duality. So we perceive it as such here in these physical bodies. But when we go back to the quantum, there is none of that. That doesn't exist there. When I, I have had two death experiences, not near death, but actual death, where I died. I went there and came back. My body, they basically put the sheet over my head and my heart stopped working. My brain stopped working. There was no spirit in the body. Okay. And when I experienced this, what I call creation soup, which is in my book, we all go to heaven in, in, uh, unless we create our own hell. I had that experience of floating in sea of creation, of just being there. And there was no duality there. So there was no masculine, feminine. There, there was no hate, anger, or love. or All there was was this frequency of profound love that I cannot express, that it creates itself from. And I could have been floating there with, like, um, I'm trying to think, Hitler, you know, that killed millions of people. And there's worse people than Hitler, by the way, that are on our planet right now. I could have been there floating with that consciousness. And none of us had judgment towards each other. There was no judgment. There was no good or bad. There was not like, you've been bad. You've done none of that. That, that doesn't exist there. In the quantum, there isness. That's all there is, is isness. And we're part of that isness, is the best way I can describe it. You used the word worse. They are worse people in a sense of they are good people and bad people, people who do bad things and good things. So how can we live non-duality in a sense of not using these words anymore, just dropping them from our vocabulary even? Is that possible? Sure, sure. In duality, this will be extremely challenging. And the reason why I say that is because our ego personality is always looking out for danger, right? That's what the ego personality does. And to a certain degree, it's a good thing because it does keep us out of danger where, you know, if you're standing right there by the cliff, your ego personality is going to pull you back and go, oh, you're getting too close to the edge. Don't go there, you know, because it wants to keep its structure here in a physical body and it doesn't want to die. So in living here in this reality, in, in a material world, in matter, and having matter be a part of us, it is a great challenge for all of us to not have that perception of good or bad or evil or worse or 
or the lower emotions, if you like, or the lower frequencies. But we could be mindful of that and we could actually program ourselves to start thinking like the divine, like the divine does, which is out of pure love. And seeing the reflection or seeing the other aspects or fractals of the divine that are expressing themselves in whatever way they choose, right? Which we perceive, perceive, like you said, we could either perceive it as really bad and evil or really good, right? There's that perception. We could choose to be conscious enough to not name it and not call it any of those things and just observe it and become the observer. Mm, Yeah. And one of the things that I often do as a practice, it's when I see anything that the ego will automatically judge as bad. I would just meditate on the uh, concept. I know for the mind and for the ego, it is a concept that God, the divine creator, the absolute is just expressing itself in that way too. And that's part of what life is about, the experience of everything. That it is hard to do. (laughs) We have to be so conscious. I'm not sure if that's the right word. Very much aware of the truth. What is the opposite of life, Sonia? Okay, so that's part of what gematria gets into. Okay, so I'll explain the word gematria is actually an ancient Astro-Babylonian Greek system of uh, numerology, actually, of codes and ciphers that was literally adopted by the Kabbalistic mystic culture that then became the Jewish culture, and a form of numerology in which the letters of the Hebrew alphabet are substituted with corresponding numbers. Um, In the Hebrew alphabet, most people think of it as like a sacred uh, alphabet, but it actually is a programming alphabet. It actually is an advanced program from an advanced civilization that came here to Earth. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting that, that you asked me that question because it goes right into my presentation about gematria. And what it basically is, is like the numbers correlate to the actual parts of our, our energy centers, or some people call them the chakras. So the crown is Keter, and Keter is in the Kabbalistic tree of life the zero. And the zero, if you look at the zero, it's actually a two Taurus. (laughs) It has, like you said, it's the totality of everything, right? And nothing at the same time. So it goes into that aspect of the creator, the limitless, the perfection and limitless of the creator existing beyond all limitations of time, time and space. And so it it is part of the seraphot, which is the numbers, okay? of physical existence, we are coming to your question, in duality, in order for matter to exist, it must contain opposites, okay? If there is no opposites, there is no matter. There will not be a planet that is physically in matter, if you like. And I have a beautiful presentation um, that I can send you, if you like, that I did with uh, another group, Psychic Soul Tribe, is the name of the website, psychicsoultribe.com. And I presented it on um, on there in, inside our, for our community that talks about all these concepts and how it's about coming into, we come in a place of oneness, right? We're born in oneness into a place of duality and into a place where there's all these negative programs that we absorb 
because we're in that state of oneness. And, and it's our whole journey to come back to the oneness within us and to emulate the divine, to emulate the Kether. I'm wondering what the soul is and where is the soul? Oh, great question. The soul is part of the monad. The monad is part of the creator. It's the connection. So there's, and I don't want to give it a hierarchy, by the way. The soul is not in the body. The spirit is what inhabits the body. And the spirit, when it inhabits a body in physical matter, it actually is dualistic in nature because it came from that. It was created from that. (laughs) Male, female coming together, the egg, the sperm, right? It all kind of joins together. Um, and so we got to understand that the, the per- personality embeds into the spirit. And this is why when we die and we are reborn physically, we reincarnate into a new body. We bring all that with us. We bring all the ego personality aspects and all of our experiences from one body to the other. But that lives in the spirit. When we die, when we physically let go of matter, and we go back to oneness with all our experiences, it adds to, that's what expands the universe. That's what expands um, creation, is that all our experiences add to that richness, if you like, of the tapestry of, of creation, of, of the creator itself. And yet it also goes into that space of nothingness. So it's very, it's a very profound journey to explore this and to see it through the eyes of many different cultures and many different symbologies that have, have been posted or posed on the planet that I've literally experienced. So my sense is that the spirit is what inhabits the body. And, and there are moments where we actually have had, like when people have their Kundalini experience, okay? Or they have a gamma experience where you're joining back with the divine in the physical, in the flesh. And I call those moments like soul-infused moments, where you literally are merging your soul. You, you've opened up and let go of all the negative programming in your soul because the soul is part of the Kether. It's part of the divine. It's that unity consciousness is now able to enter into your body because you are in unity consciousness. But if you have all your negative programming and all your lower, if you like your lower emotions, it will not, it's not inviting for the soul to come in until you come into that oneness. And there are those moments on planet Earth that I have experienced that, that I've experienced soul infusions. Mm, Wow. This is the first time that I heard the explanation of the spirit and the soul being different from one another. So the spirit is very much connected to duality still, and the soul is not. Yep. Yeah. Ah, that is so interesting. And when the soul is able to express itself through the spirit and the body, then we experience non-duality. Ah, that is so amazing. In a way, it seems like everything's non-dual. Non- it's, we are non-duality. We are, what, what we are is very different to what we become in physical matter and what our spirit and our ego personality, because I see it as one and the same. The spirit is the spark from the divine that sparks the physical body into 
being animated in all things, by the way, not just our physical body, but animals, plants, everything. Yeah, everything. Does that make sense? Right, it does very much. So, so that's that spark, you know, and through that spark, through the eye of the needle that we can go back into that oneness, you know, and that's coming in and out of matter. But in matter, for whatever reason, because there's this very dualistic thing that we need to come here and learn, right? The polarity of opposites. That's when the the spirit is embedded in the body and it actually gives it the spark of life. And at the same time, it gives us the personality, you know, the ego personality that is judgmental, that, that does all these things, you know, and that gets itself into a lot of hot water sometimes. And sometimes you know, we could liberate ourselves from that by going back to that oneness and having those oneness moments. There's a few, I'd say very, very, very few humans on the planet that are that are soul beings, you know, that are solar. And the word solar is actually so means solar being. And I actually found it in this, in all the things that are being downloaded that I'm finding in these websites, like the Kabbalah website, that I was getting some information where they said, you know, Solomon, the word Solomon has the word soul in it. And the word soul means solar deity. We are solar deities. Okay. And so when we come down here to a lower aspect of that solar deity into duality, we forget what we are and who we are. So we're not just, uh, Sonia Novik is not just this physical body here. I always ask people, what are you? In nature, what are you? You know, truly, we have to ask ourselves that question so that we let go of the dualistic, we let go, which is exactly what you were asking, we let go of this polarity, um, and we look at it from a higher aspect, and we're a sun, okay, literally a star, because that's what a sun is, and we've come fragmented down here into matter, into these small little bodies, presenting ourselves as a small, tiny, energetic being in matter, but at the root of it, right, it would be our root. We're a soul, we're a, we are a star. We are a solar deity with all that consciousness. Yeah, take that one in. <laughs> <laughs> right, I did. <laughs> wow. So I guess, um, yeah, what is real then? It seems like everything's an illusion. It is, absolutely. Um, we've come. Duality creates illusionary uh, constructs, shall we say, programs, so that in all these illusionary construct programs, and some of them are excruciatingly painful to the body, the physical matter body, right? All the experiences that we have, emotional traumas, physical traumas, blah, blah, blah. I tell people when you die, because I have twice <laughs> and come back, there's no more of that pain that follows you into the soul. The soul has, is not fragmented. The soul doesn't suffer. It, the soul has none of that. The soul is perfect, like Keter. It's in perfect union with everything, and there is no separation. It's the it's when people go, oh, I gotta do it. I think the word soul retrieval is is a misnomer. It should be spirit retrieval because the spirit does get fragmented. The spirit does come because it is a dualistic type of aspect of the soul that comes into habits matter. That that's what gets fragmented. That's what feels the pain, the suffering you know, feels the all the emotions, you know, all the gamut of emotions. 
So, yeah. Hmm. And you mentioned earlier the soul embodiment that few human beings were able or are um, living that experience now on Earth. So I'm wondering if this is something that all of us could experience one day or it's... Uh... No, absolutely. It's It's here for all of us to experience. It's just, it takes a level of consciousness and awareness and it takes a level of retraining, literally retraining matter, retraining your body, retaining the neural net in your brain, retraining the connectors that connect to the that energy of oneness and letting go of the judgments, that we can all reach that. What I was going to say is that we're actually in a time frame right now where we're coming in and out of that, where there's an oscillation to come into that full oneness. And there's a few, not many, but there's a few masters. We're all masters in training, by, by the way. We're all, I call it, you know, t- people talk about ascension. I call it, we're masters in training to ascension on this planet. So we're, we're on our way to become ascended masters of matter and of being able to be here in that quantum state of Keter, of oneness. And there are a few beings here on the planet that I've encountered that are that on a consistent basis. Not Now, I will tell you this, these masters do not choose to live in a city. They not, you know, they don't choose to, to be in, in what they people call the matrix, you know, in, in the illusion. They, they live in very isolated areas, very, um, where they are able to elevate and go into the full spectrum of their inner and outer supernatural beingness, I'll call that, the inner senses and outer senses, that they can levitate, they can be simultaneously in five or six places at once, they send their energetic body and it looks, it really turns, it's like a physical, actual physical body, like matter. They can do all these things because they are with a supernal oneness at all times and they're no longer kind of like the story of Buddha, you know, that it didn't affect him anymore, that the demons that he was talking about, and not really demons, that's all the programming in our mind, in the monkey mind that keeps, you know, and the voices, you know, the inner voices, the critical parent, all that stuff that we've all heard, that keeps us out of the oneness because it feeds off of the, and that's what I want to talk about, in the gematria is that we're coming to a time frame where these two rivers or two currents, the negative and positive current, are so obvious to me. And I'm asking myself at all times because I cross both of them. I'm not a master yet. I go into negative and I go into positive. And I ask myself every time as the observer, where do you want to live? Do you want to live in the negative program or the, you know, the negative polarity or the positive polarity? the death program or the living program. And that's the time frame that we're in now that is so, for so many of us that are either just woke up or waking up, we're sensing that, we're feeling it and going, wow, you know, where am I going to live? You know, where do I choose to live in consciousness? And am I going to change my personality? Am I going to change my spirit? You know, who's been enacting this negative aspect its whole lifetimes? Who's been at war with this this aspect of duality? 
and how do I come into oneness are the questions that I would put out to everybody to contemplate on, you know, and to see where you want to be. Because it's a time now we entered into, which was on 02-02-2020, that is a, what I call a stargate, which means a time on planet Earth that in in consciousness and also in matter, we can enter into a non-dualistic state. It's a stargate for that, for infinity. And when I went and did the research on all the numbers, I was like, oh my God. So backwards, forwards, 0202, you could read it 020202 or 0202202. There's four 02s in that day. And it opened up that stargate. And what it also did, which was really phenomenal, is all those numbers add up to eight. And eight is a symbol of infinity. It's also the symbol of positive and negative coming together as one. It's still the experience, but it's so fascinating, isn't it? The experience of the vision. You mentioned uh, the question, you posed the question, where do you want to be making that choice? I'm wondering if that kind of incited the idea or even more deepened the idea of duality being somewhere, which there's nowhere to be, but here now, and it's one, it, whatever it's happening now, it is it. When you mentioned the uh, uh, embodiment of the soul, the oneness being experienced here, I'm wondering how challenging this seems to be, or might appear to be for many of us who can live, like abandon everything and live, uh, I don't know, in the mountains or in isolated places. You can create your own monastery at your home or your apartment or whatever and make time to be with the oneness in meditation. The, the answer is meditation and concentration and observation of your personality. That brings you into the oneness too. So if you were going to ask me, I mean, these masters, that's great that they've mastered it. But what I tell them, because I do communicate with them telepathically, absolutely. I go, you know, when they come and they go, hey, you know, you're really getting negative. I go, oh, you come and try it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I dare you. You come and try and live in my conditions for a while. Let's see what happens to you. Let's make an experiment. I'll trade with you. You take over my body, I'll go over there and become you and you can become me and, and experience this for a little while. And so what I say is that's wonderful that you have attained all those abilities and that you are that, you know, and that you're coming out of the illusion. But the real masters are the ones that are in the soup, literally in the what they call the the um, matrix soup, you know, in the cities, in the towns, in, in your environment. And to come into a place where you, you have to have such fervor, right? And not wanting to be that same personality and not wanting to have the same repeatable future that feels like Groundhog Day, right? Right. <laughs> that you've got to be at that point that you go, this life and what I've been doing over and over and over and over and over for my whole life is not working anymore. I don't want to be this. So it takes a lot of concentration, a lot of focus, and definitely emergence into getting yourself into a state of purity and meditation and shutting everything off and taking time out of your day and being what I call the spiritual warrior, you know, to actually put this in your schedule and practice it and surround yourself with people that are practicing this and working on dissolving the illusion of separation. 
I like that. I like that a lot to know that we all can achieve. It's not really an achievement. It's already is. There's no, it's everything's one. So the idea, I guess, the experience, choosing what experience we want to have, a pleasant one and an unpleasant one. You sent me an article and that uh, was interesting because in the Kabbalistic studies, they talk about God. My question is, why is the name of God the main focus of the Kabbalistic use of gematria? Because it, it actually focuses you into the oneness, into the nameless. The nameless is actually, to me, it, you know, and, and basically religions have twisted this right? They, they, so dogma has really twisted this, but what it's really referring to is the two Taurus, the zero, the Keter, the, the nothingness uh, that contains everything in it. How can you name something that is the nothingness that contains everything in it? It's, it would take lifetimes to sit here and talk about that. <laughs> True. <laughs> so the easiest, my most effortless thing that got, just got downloaded to me is Call me the nameless that's the, you know, the beginning and end or, you know, the alpha and omega, um, the, you know, the zero point to the everythingness to the nothingness. And to me, what perfectly is designed in nature, true to form is the two Taurus is that is exactly that. It goes out of, you know, a nothingness into oneness, into everything, and it creates everything, and it goes back into nothingness and oneness, and it just keeps circulating that way. And, and to me, that's, that's an expression of what people would call God. God, they don't realize it's uh, in English terms, because English is very tricky. It was, it's created by tricksters. Again, dualistic, right? But the word God means granter of dominion. And aren't we all granters of dominion after all? So it's very deceiving, you know, that they call the God. Right, right. Yeah. But it's very easy because it's a short, you know, acronym that you can put in, in the sake, their, their tax, and then people refer to it. You know, and I, I got a lot of flack a few years ago when, you know, I did a radio show and I talked about my book and talked about how God is not what you think. It's not a man like they painted in the Basilica, you know, with a long beard and he's sitting on a throne. That's lower aspects of humans, you know, that wanted you to believe that God is that and it isn't and that there's a throne room. No, there isn't a throne room. There's just isness like you and I are talking about. There's just the, the absolute everythingness. And at the same time, there's the nothingness there. So in a way, Sonia, is like everything is, is the one, is, is God, is the creator, uh, the universe, absolute, and everything else is just uh, creativity experiences. And that's what we are doing here, experiencing, creating, which is wonderful. And there's no good or bad, but the interpretation of such events um, yeah, it's the experience. This is just the experience. It's duality. Even the idea of talking to somebody else, like me talking to you now, it's just an illusion too. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> oh, it's it talking to it. Life talking to life. Right. And, and that relates more to aspects of the fractal of divinity, right? That's why I call it the divine, that we're talking to each other and remi reminding each other of who we are. 
Right, right. Wow, I love what he said. It's a reminder, right? Because it's easy to forget, isn't it? Wow, it's so easy. Especially in the world of illusion, right? Yeah, of course. Where there's all these illusions going on, you know, everywhere and programming everywhere that we come together to remind ourselves to remember, you know, what we are. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. So I have more questions about gematria. But before that, I guess I have been trying to understand what this is. And I ask not everyone, but some people, and I'm going to ask you, what is the mind? What do you understand as the mind? And what are thoughts? Beautiful. Great question. The mind is the higher aspect of the divine coming through us. Thoughts are processes that happen in matter um, as we are inhabiting the body because of all the experiences that we've experienced and because of all of the programming we've experienced. Those are what thoughts are and where they come from. Because when you're sitting in the oneness, when I was sitting in the oneness and I wasn't in a body anymore, there were no more thoughts. The one thought that did come up, which pulled me out of there, isn't that interesting, back into duality, was I want to be in this sea of creation forever. And the moment I stated that, got pulled. If I, Because I want to be, what that states is that I am not that. So if I wouldn't have stated that and I would have just like cruised and went, oh, I am, I probably wouldn't have come back to the body. See the difference? Even there, there's the programming that came up for me as a spirit going, I wish I could float in the sea of creation forever. Well, you already are. You just pulled yourself out. So thoughts come from being in a state, in a dualistic state. And like I, I said, the spirit does. It, it is part, if you like, part and parcel of the soul, but it takes a back seat. In terms of when you die, the soul is what overtakes everything. And then you're just a small aspect in the background, you know, that is deciding to come into incarnation, into matter again or not. So we are making that choice. I mean, who we believe we are, it's creating everything. Absolutely. We we choose everything. And that's, you know, when somebody brought that concept to me 20 years ago or 30 years ago, I was like so pissed. I was like, are you kidding me? I didn't create the mother that I had and the circumstances and blah, 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 blah. And I was so insulted. And I was like, there's no way that I did that to myself. And then as I developed my more innate abilities and really started to sit with that one, I went, holy moly, we're that powerful that we do create. We create a whole big mess for ourselves that we can get out of. (laughs) True. (laughs) So true. So true. In a way, whatever we give attention to is what remains after the body goes, and then that would just kind of multiply or create itself or just uh, kind of uh, go back to the cycle because it has been created and we cannot really um, destroy them. What has been created out of uh, nothingness. That's right. It all adds to the, like I said, it all adds to the expansion of, if you like, of reality. It adds to the expansion of, of the quantum field. That's why everything exists in the quantum field and you can go into the quantum field, you know, and access all this information is because you are in that state, you know, in that quantum state. But when we, 
You know, and that's why you can access any invention. You can have access anything that has ever come into matter, literally come into physical matter that is exists in the quantum field. And that's why there's unlimited possibilities, right? Yeah. Yes. So is Dematria the same thing as uh, numerology? Is there a difference? No. I mean, there's a slight difference because Dematria actually studies, has put several if you like, several different um, that used to be sciences on the planet when the Gnostics, you know, in Alexandria, the, the library of Alexandria, and Alexandria itself was a, a place where people would come from all over the world to learn the different sciences, which were actually astrology, numerology, um, that then led to, to trigonometry and math and, and astrology left to astronomy it, so it's actually what it is. Gematria is a science that combines numbers, that combines, so it combines astrology, numerology, the tarot, all the, the intuitive sciences, if you like, or practices, it incorporates all of them. All together. That is fascinating about numerology. Um, I read that is the, uh, the expression of nature. Should we be um, more aware of numbers and their, the relationship with the words, like find out what our names mean and everything we do, per se? It's, you know, that's another, another layer of illusion, but yes. <laughs> so I will say this, that there's an aspect of it where if you want to learn more about your personality, and more about your spirit, it would be a really good thing to go and research and study and learn more. And I forgot to mention it also, um, it's related to the letters, the Hebrew letters, uh, which have represent spiritual representations. And it goes into the mysticism of the angelic kingdom as well. So like I said, it's a program that was brought here that was from a very advanced civilization that was not terrestrial civilization that also is a combination that's in gematria by the way so i didn't want to exclude that you know which is now the jewish alphabet in a way this is uh, like you just mentioned it, perhaps a way of guiding us through the physical world dualistic world into the uh, non-dualistic right to know more your nature so if you have questions about well, why am i this way why am I cantankerous or grumpy or crumpy or happy all the time or joyous all the time? Or why do I have certain aspects of my personality that are like this? They are within your name and your date of birth. They are there. They are part of what con the construct of your personality. And you will find them there. And it's, you know, it's kind of like Vedic astrology. You go, wow, you know, they read me like a book. You know, and what it is, is that the time that you choose to be into the flesh, incarnated into matter, it gets immediately programmed from conception to having these traits because you've entered into a dualistic, you know, you've entered into um, a place where you're dealing with two polarities. And like I said, if there are no negatives, the positives, there is no matter. If there's not an electrical charge, and if you look at Dan Winterstaff, he's very advanced in this, and you can go check him out. And most people think he's crazy. I think he's a genius. He, he talks about this and talks about how two frequencies creates the fire, the spark that animates life. And life 
isn't life the opposite, literally, of the quantum? You know, life in nature is, is the opposite of the quantum. It's duality. It's beautiful. You know, it's absolutely, why do we come here? Yes, to have this experience, you know, from the nothingness to the oneness. You know, we come here because it's so, in some experiences that I've had here, in some days that I've, like, majestically, I, I kneel down and kiss the ground literally and cry for its beauty. You know, and at the same time, there's this excruciating pain that we experience here. We experience both, right? Yeah, how fascinating. So every time we're trying to understand the personality in whatever way that is trying to understand duality, isn't it? Right. And if it comes to that understanding, right, where we, we become, we go, oh, I get it. It's all just an illusion. It's just a game. And, and we can pull ourselves back from the pain and the suffering and all that and stop playing that game, then you reach a new level of consciousness. And then you're not subjected to the way that, that you know, you get like thrown into situations, you know, because you didn't realize you're a creator. You're a solar being. You're a star. You're a sun that can create whatever you want to create in your experience here in physical form. Right. And there is paradox there too, because then if you are, if we are the ground of being, let's say uh, the non-dual, then we can create anything that could express itself in a negative or positive. It doesn't really matter, really, because it's the experience. So even if we are getting mad, frustrated, it's just part of the dance. As long as we are aware, right? So we don't get lost into it and cause more suffering for ourselves and others, right? How wonderful. <laughs> um, you mentioned prosperity singularity point. What is that? What was very interesting is in 2019, my soul, because I do have conversations with my soul, guides me and it said, pay attention to this date, this time frame, because there's going to be I was being told this all last year and I couldn't put it together. There is going to come a time in this next year that you're going to experience in matter where there's going to be a singularity point where the two opposites, polarities, will become the greater of the two within you. And that's, you know, that to me was like, you know, I didn't understand it. It was encoded. Okay. I forget what they call that, but it was totally encoded for me. And I'm like, what? does this mean? You know? And of course, all the last year, I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. But now that I'm here, I get it. So it's the merging literally of your negative emotions with your positive emotions. It's your merging of all the programming, the negative programming that has caused you, caused each and every one of us so much pain and suffering, you know, and that it's caused us that groundhog effect day eh, to integrate with the goodness of us and become the higher aspect of where we become masters of matter, masters in matter where we are no longer at the effect of these emotions, patterns, behaviors. And, and that takes training. Uh, and there are several people here on the planet that are doing this kind of work in helping the masses in that, you know, and one that I can mention is Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, there's other people, too, that are not as famous as him that are doing it at other levels, but doing the same exactly somatic kind of work, you know, to take the body out of the mind is what Dr. Joe talks about. 
and and to take you into that experience of the oneness and to program that in more into your body so that you can have that godlike experience of creating whatever you want to create which you know he talks about the same things i talk about that it's the unity the love to create from love and oneness because that's where the divine creates from and that if you come in there creating trying to create from bad you're not going to get results mm. Right. Oh, because the foundation, what what holds all this together, it's love, right? Exactly. And it, it appears to us as good and bad and ugly and horrible. And how could people do that? But it really comes from a place of love deep down inside that got distorted. Uh, interpretations, right? And interpretations and in the pain too. In the pain and suffering that people have experienced that you know, caused all their more pain and suffering, others' pain and suffering. Right, right. As humans, it's challenging to be under um, physical pain. It's extremely challenging. Oof. People that create cancer in their body that, and they're not going to like me saying this, but they do, and create all these diseases, physical diseases where they're so Disease means out of ease with oneself physically. Ooh, they have way more to overcome that they programmed into the body and the body's now expressing it because the body wasn't able to express it in a different form that maybe was less making them less aware, you know, of these patterns. That is challenging to hear when you say we create everything. We have, yeah, that's, that's, in, uh, it's interesting for me, but it's, I understand what you're saying that might be hard for most people to hear that they're creating. It is, you know, because we come, I will tell you this, in duality, when we're born, we're born into victimhood. Literally. Literally. I'm not, I'm being literal about this. We come into victimhood because we are, we come here and we have our parents, which are much bigger than us. We're little teeny tiny babies and they can do whatever they want with us. And some of them do and some of them don't. And then there's other programs where we come and we get like slapped in the face into duality, into separation and into victimhood. And what are most people trying to get out of their victimhood mentality, their victimhood programming? So I tell people, you know, when you choose to come into duality, into, you know, into matter, you're choosing to come into victimhood and and to birth yourself out of victimhood into empowerment. And that's our journey. Well, well said. Um, one of my last questions for this section is one, a phrase that you wrote. It says, if you're sick on any level, you can heal on other levels. What do you mean by that exactly? Well, if you're sick, because I'm going back to the premise, which I know is true for me and so many others that are awake, if you're sick, you've created that sickness so you can heal it on any level. And what I mean by levels, it could be emotionally that you're emotionally sick, mentally sick, right? Mentally disturbed, sick. Um, it could be that you are physically sick, you know, with a physical ailment. It could be that you're spiritually sick because there are people that are spiritually sick. In, in, in many dimensions and many levels of us, you know, inhabiting this physical body. That's what I mean by that is that and I will tell you this, in my practice, because I am a quantum healer, and I have been since 2001, 2002, um, so way before the, the bleep, what the bleep came out or all that, I've always been this, 
I realized that I am just the catalyst. And I also am the energy, the battery, if you like, that could bring in the universal power through me and then move it into people's bodies. But what they do with that and their consciousness is none of my business. It's up to them to use that energy, that frequency to heal themselves and to come into a new consciousness within themselves to realize that they can miraculously heal themselves from whatever bad thing happened to them or whatever they created in their lives. You know, so there's people that have a sickness where they get involved with psychopaths all of their life. Um, and that was something that they got programmed with in babyhood. And they can heal that. As challenging as it may sound, you can heal it. You can transform that because you chose to come into that particular experience and experience it over and over and over again. And you can choose to not do that by deprogramming yourself. Would you say that if we heal on the spiritual level, we can heal on the other levels? Absolutely. Well, on the spiritual level, what we've allowed to have happen is matter has overtaken, overtaken the, bot, the, the mind, which is the spirit, part of the spirit, the monad, right? And when we remove that, when we actually defrag, like defrag, like you do a computer, we defrag all those programs and we get rid of them, you know, then the spirit can become, come into wholeness and become into oneness with the divine and experience physical life from there and experience becoming a God creator being, creating your own reality and having control of it instead of feeling like out of control. Like some people go, my life is so out of control. You know, it's like, I don't know how this happened, but my whole life is falling apart. Well, you think it's falling apart. It's actually your soul has come in and shook you up and gone, hey, your life as you've been doing for the last 50 or 40 or 30 years is not working. I've come to shake up the tree, the tower, right, in the tarot cards to actually wake you up to your real self, to your your divine self, which is your soul or deity self. And it's time for you to clean house and, and start a new life, you know, in the state of consciousness of being the creator being and that you're not at the effect of everything. And why are people at the effect of everything? is because they don't plan their future. They don't create their future in meditation, in their mind. And like I said, people like Joe Dispenza are teaching people how to do that. I'm wondering what the world would look like if everyone became more conscious about the one, that the soul in them. Have you visualized? I have, actually. And I think there will be a time frame, because that was also downloaded to me, where... You know, they call it the golden age. And we've had several golden ages here on planet Earth where the level of consciousness that was when we were being born, there wasn't that victimhood being played out on the planet. There was a different program being played out on the planet that people experienced coming into that state, you know, of creator beings and oneness and unity, you know, while we were in physical matter. But I think a whole bunch of us got bored with that and went, Oh, this is really boring and it's not challenging enough, you know, so we got to create something that shakes us up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Who said that? <laughs> we started this whole thing. <laughs> All of us collectively, the collective, you know, and that's what we have to realize is that I'll leave you with this last thought is that we are a collective of consciousness in human bodies, that we are a single, single organism that has muted like trans 
become all these little people on the planet, three, six, seven, eight billion. But in truth, if we came together as one single organism, like fish do, like birds do, there's no gurus, there's no leader, there's just the consciousness that's flowing in and out of different waves and patterns. I've seen that. I've seen the future and that's what we're going into. But in order for that future to exist, like in the Kabbalistic website that I sent you to, they very clearly state that something needs to fall apart, that this society as it stands need to, needs to be dissolved and die in order for the new to be reborn, which is the golden age that will come out of this. Isn't it interesting? Your life and death. Yeah. It's always. Yeah. All intertwined. <laughs> right. Right. So I have a few more questions for you, Sonia. Final ones. Would you like to add anything that I might have forgotten to ask or I didn't include here? Well, you know, what I'd like to do is is more than that, is I'd like to send you my Gematria presentation, um, which you can add if you like, you know, a link, um, which I will post on my YouTube channel um, that people can go watch with a link so that they can have a deeper understanding of this and where we're going. Um, so that's one of the things that I would like to add is just to give you a link and a resource so people can have a deeper study of this and, and so that they can um, start changing themselves. And of course, if there's people out there that would like me to help them with this as a private coach, I can certainly do that. I've helped a lot of people transmute their illnesses um, as, like I said, the catalyst, transmute their their conditions in their life um, on a one-to-one basis. Wonderful. Yes, I'll definitely include that link. Yes. How do you define success? What is success to you? Wow, that's a, that's a very good question. To me, success could be as small as me being the observer and observing a negative program that I want to dissolve and working on dissolving that and achieving that, to me, that's real success. To me, the illusionary success of having the giant house and the sports cars and all the money and all that is one big illusion because the truth is that people that seek for that admit a lot of them and they're not happy. That doesn't make them happy and it doesn't bring them joy. That just gives them security temporarily in this very temporal world that changes very quickly. So success to me is, to me, what I would define as success is me evolving into a higher consciousness in this physical body. And when I meet challenges and when I meet situations that I've created that are extremely painful and challenging, overcoming them, that is true success because now I've birthed myself into a new being and into a new creation. What was the hardest lesson to learn about the person, Sonia? What was the hardest lesson to learn? Boy, that I, I chose to come into serious victimhood like serious, very, very embedded and that I've been challenged by this my whole life and that I've been in the groundhog day in this situation that I'm now dissolving and working on very diligently because I, you know, there's this part of me that's like the do or die and I don't want to continue doing this life the way I've been doing it. And so I have to say that I chose a very, very challenging path of being born into a very sick abuser 
and transforming that. And it's been quite the journey. Do you love yourself unconditionally? There's parts of me, I'm going to be perfectly honest, that I'm learning how to. And the answer would be that these parts of me that have, you know, because we all put ourselves in our own jail, in our own circumstantial jail. And that's the part of me that I don't like, that I have disliked quite a bit to the point of almost hating. So no, I would say I'm not, I haven't mastered that yet. That's a great question. And that I'm working on that and that I'm working on unifying like it was, and here we go to the end of what was downloaded to me, right? The polar opposites, merging them and becoming the higher aspect of that. I'm starting to love those lower aspects of me, the ones that I hated, and starting to integrate them into the higher aspects of me so that I can become the higher aspects of both. Yeah, they can only rise, right? But they need love. They need love. Exactly. You can't destroy them. You can't alienate them. You can't push them. You can't. All that causes more war. The only thing that stops the war is giving it loving attention and also being firm and saying, no, we're not going to continue to have those thoughts. We're going to have these thoughts instead and we're going to merge. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cute way of putting it. <laughs> What is another word for healing? Coming into wholeness. Coming into wholeness. Right, right. If you knew you would lose the body soon, would you change anything? Do anything differently from today forward? No, I, I definitely, you know, once you get to that point where you transition and transpire, when you come into this place of union, if you like, or of oneness, you don't have that hanging over you, if you like. You don't have that sense of those aspects that, that were are now integrated. You become the higher self of both. And that's why I wouldn't change any of that. None of that would be changed. Yeah, because we've learned from that, right? It gave us more wisdom, more experience. So even the things that appear to be horrible, you know, when we turn it around and we get to the other side of it, we get to see it as a blessing because Otherwise, it wouldn't have taken us on this journey, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's seeing because yeah, we have been blind for so long. <laughs> What are three things about life you know for sure? Life being in this reality is very temporal, very temporary. Things change constantly. There's always change. That's number two. And number three would be that If you can learn to be in the flow of change and transformation, you can have an incredible life. Thank you so much, Sonia, for this conversation. It has been meaningful, genuine, warm, yeah, really beautiful. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, work, services? Um, my book is on Amazon. And you'll, you'll find it under Sonia Novik, or actually you'll find it as We All Go to Heaven is the name of the title of the book. And it's my spiritual experiences on planet Earth and my mystical experiences um, as I travel through time and space here. And then my website is sonicnova.net, um, where I do my spiritual coaching. And then, of course, I have another, another website that is living-technologies.info living where I do my medical intuitive coaching 
And I have my supplement store where people can get um, superfoods, supplements. Um, and let's see. And I have um, another website called Cancer Free Coaching, where I actually help people coach out of very severe autoimmune compromised diseases. So you can find me in all three and you can contact me there with either chats or voicemails that you can leave. That's where you can find me. Really great. Thank you so much again, Sonia. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye for now. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Sonia Novik, please visit her website, www.soniknova.net. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.